You know, it's Halloween. I guess everyone's entitled to one good scare. We all go a little mad sometimes. No, please don't kill me, Mr. Ghostface. I want to be... Welcome to the Carpenter Queens podcast, coming to you live from the TCQ video store, where you can pick up the best and worst in horror for only 69 cents a day. Welcome in, fellow Quidos. Oh, man, I got peanut butter all over my penis. I'm Nicholas. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm a baddie with a fatty. My name's Raymond. Hello, everyone. And before we can fully begin today's third track into our Halloween Horrors Month and talk about a very anticipated flick, we must welcome our two extremely special guests. Welcome to the store, the spooky, the fierce, the hilarious, Frankie and Jank from Fear the Talking Queers. Hello. Yes. Hey, bitch. Hey, bitch. (laughs) Hey, bitch. Oh my gosh, thank you for welcoming welcoming us into this store. It's uh, really beautifully put together. The decor. So cute, so cute. So it, just to differentiate from our voices, I'm Frankie. And I'm Jake. <laughs> it's hard to tell. There's going to be four queers in a room. I don't know how anyone is going to decide for us today. You'll you'll know the difference between us because I'm the funny one and he's not. Bitch, get out of the get out of the store. You are no longer Security. welcome. Whatever, whatever. I'm going to Cinnabon. <laughs> we have coupons. Yay! <laughs> welcome. We are so stoked to have you here. If any listener has not heard your guys's podcast please go on over they are always doing wonderful things over there your lineup this month is Woo! ridiculous y'all brought the Fingers. heat for halloween season oh my god and we didn't even pick it <laughs> <laughs> we didn't even pick it the listeners picked it but i think you guys are being biased and saying that because you're featured on our lineup <laughs> that's true that is true I mean, yeah I'm, I'm a little biased what <laughs> and it also happens to be like my favorite movie franchise so of course we're a little biased this is your namesake yeah so i mean that is thank you for bringing it up it is so funny we are the carpenter queens and yet this is the very first Halloween iteration <laughs> that we're touching. So we're super happy to have you here. Yeah, I've done Carpenter <laughs> films, though. Which ones have you done? The Thing. We've done The Fog. We've... Say it! Say it! God, we've done Ghost of Mars. Yes! Like, oh, no. <laughs> the Ghost of what? Ghost oh of my Mars. God. No, no, don't act shocked. It's, don't uh, act it's, surprised. It's, it's on the back wall, guys. It's uh, under Raymond's picks. It's My picture's okay. above it. Oh wow! He's that's that's so not cute. what I'm looking for. Where's the werewolf movie with ET's mom in it? Howling <laughs> <laughs> down at the end. <laughs> Thank you so much for being here. Yeah, we're so excited to talk about. So excited. Probably one of the most famous horror films of all time, and who better to do that with than with the Carpenter Queens? Uh, honestly, honestly. So before we begin, we're taking a page from your podcast, Spellbook. We are going to play one of your favorite games. Fuck, Mary, kill. I'm oh my so God. stoked. Wow. Oh my God. I feel right yes. at home. So for our very first round, we're going to have Leatherface versus Pyramid Head or Candyman. Oh my God. Okay. 
Okay, I'm going first because I already know I'm gonna I'm gonna fuck Candyman, period. <laughs> yes! Come through, Tony Todd. Well, yes, prepared, so. yes. <laughs> I, I, honestly, Tony Todd, Candyman, or Abdul Mateen, Candyman, oh. I'll My take goodness. them both, both to bed. Oh, yes. same. Ooh, okay, same. all right. Anything, okay, and then I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and kill Pyramid Head because Silent Hill doesn't do it for me. I, I don't know if you two are fans, but I'm not gonna no. lie, I was like, who's Pyramid Head? <laughs> yeah, the shade is knee deep today. I think I've seen it. Didn't they do like a, a Horror Nights maze of this a few years ago? They show did. That's what, that's what I remember it from. I'm like, oh, okay, Pyramid Head. That yeah, okay. So does that mean we're marrying Leatherface? I'm gonna marry Leatherface. You know, Aww. he's a family man. So, <laughs> God, uh, we have the same same exact reason. That's what I was gonna say. I was like, he's a family man. I think our our picks are the exact same. I would definitely really? fuck Candyman. <laughs> yeah, fuck Candyman, kill Pyramid Head, and marry Leatherface. He's so sweet. He's like a cuddly teddy bear. <laughs> and you just uh. get like an endless supply of meat. Oh, oh absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> and. And by marrying him, you don't necessarily have to fuck him because that bitch probably stinks. Oh my god. <laughs> all all shit. Oh my god. <laughs> I think I'm gonna have to agree. I Right. I, hello, Candyman, sting me to death yes. with bees. I don't care. Oh my god. And then Pyramid Head, he's got that he's got a pyramid head. The the torso is great, but the head doesn't do it for me. And mm. let <laughs> oh, it be yeah, short. Mm-hmm. It's great. <laughs> oh yeah, is he like he's like hot from like the neck down or something? Which is why I think I'm gonna fuck him. Oh no! Okay, oh, okay. you know what? And I was I was just gonna say that you some people may want to fuck him because <laughs> of that thing on his head. <laughs> okay, that may be what he uses. <laughs> Sit and spin. Okay, she's a <laughs> queen. <laughs> Stretch, spin, uh, <laughs> stretch, sit, and spin. <laughs> stretch, sit, spin, and pray. <laughs> well, with that pitch, I'm absolutely going with Pyramid Head. Yeah, I um, sold it to you. I sold it to myself now, too. I think I'm going to kill Leatherface and marry Candyman. I could I could be with Candyman for, for a very long time. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Be his victim. Why not? Mm-hmm. What else can he do with that hook? I love it. We're talking about the important details here, people. <laughs> yes, we the are. Get questions. down to the nitty gritty. <laughs> Our next round is going to be Jason, Michael, or Ghostface. Oh my God, which Ghostface? Oh See, yeah, I, that's I'll true. Leave, All I'll of leave them? that up to you. Okay. Oh my God, that's a good idea. I'm gonna fuck Ghostface, but it's gonna be like an orgy because they're literally like <laughs> yeah. nine of them. <laughs> It's just a stabathon. It's just a giant orgy. A stabathon, <laughs> including Debbie Salt. <laughs> uh, why not? She's like, <laughs> I have to laugh. <laughs> you know what? She was athletic. You know, if she's down like, for pegging, so be it. <laughs> oh, for she's sure. Butch. I'm gonna go ahead and kill Jason because that Friday the Thirteenth franchise is not it for me mama i don't want none no part of that legacy <laughs> i'm going to fuck michael on halloween night <laughs> save some lives spread my thighs <laughs> <laughs> that was so powerful academy award <laughs> and then i'm going to marry ghostface but i'm going to marry billy because why not marry a mama's boy 
a pansy ass mama's boy. <laughs> a pansy ass mama's boy at that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I might marry Michael. Um, strong, silent type. Like that's mm-hmm. kind of cute. Um, but then probably fuck Jason. He's so big and burly. I'm like that'd be kind of fun. That's kind of hot, right? I can no. maybe <laughs> which Jason? Oh, I don't know. From I'm that illustration where it's just their like bubble bat. <laughs> oh my god, yes, that's the one. Yeah, all those that like one. gay renderings of all these, all these serial killers. No. Yeah, Jake. One of them. Jake. Jake has the hots for um, Friday the Thirteenth, nineteen eighty. Jason. <laughs> oh, oh, wait. That, is that the one with the bag on its head? <laughs> no, that's the one that he pops out from the, on the oh, canoe. With the deformed oh. head. Yes. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Bring it I to me, it. Zaddy. Okay. I know. Yeah, I, I'm vegan, so I don't eat beef jerky in my diet, so I got to get it somewhere else. <laughs> right. Oh, God. Uh, I think I'd kill Jason. He, he stews, like, in the lake too much and i feel like we all bloated and gross <laughs> and moldy oh yeah that's Ew. I'd way to paint a picture Sp- yeah you're welcome <laughs> um i'd fuck ghost space because why not and uh i'd marry michael which because... one which one a specific ghost face oh. or... i would pick mickey i would pick debbie mickey. <laughs> <laughs> not debbie <laughs> yeah i'd fuck mickey timothy olden font why not he's kind of yeah, crazy he got hotter with age, so... Yeah, you I'll, did. I'll fuck him now. Uh, so fuck Ghostface, marry Michael. I love how Michael's kind of like the MVP. I mean, it fits the episode, but um, I'm probably going to marry Mikey, too. I'm definitely going to marry Mikey. For Is there for is there a reason? <laughs> I mean, look at him. Just oh, with the reason! Because I love a man who loves Halloween. I mean, I'm absolutely down for that, right? I mean... There you go. The reason for the season. That's the number one reason. <laughs> you know, I think I'm also gonna fuck Jason just because, like, you don't need to talk, but I'm, I'm, I'm glad that you're here. And I, oh. the ghost face situation, I'm, 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 I don't need an open relationship with so many ghost faces, <laughs> so I'm pretty good. I'm not secure enough for that. Up next, we have our, 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 our loud talkers, the ones that like chit chat. We have Chucky, Leprechaun, or Freddy. Oh my god, <laughs> not, not Leprechaun. <laughs> Not leprechaun. <laughs> no, that's a kill for me. <laughs> instant, me bam. Too. Instant, instant, kill. instant. I just think that he's doing too much. <laughs> instant next. Yeah, it's a no yeah. for me. Um, it's a no for me. Unless he has a pot of gold, then maybe. Mary. Oh, that's true. He's got money. <laughs> oh, right? She's a gold digger. She's after that coin. Yeah, They're, hello, they the, got a plan. <laughs> I, yeah, I got plans for my future, okay? <laughs> I need finance. No romance without finance. That's Furs and diamonds aren't free. <laughs> okay. Um, so, uh, I think I would probably... I would probably... <laughs> this sounds weird because it's like a baby doll, but I was like, I'd probably marry <laughs> Chucky. Like, I feel like I'm already Tiffany, so... Well, hello, Dolly. Kill Leprechaun, and I guess fuck Freddy. Why not? He's the man of my dreams. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. That's it, bitch. I put that I would fuck Chucky. <laughs> because he can talk really dirty, just oh call me like a God. nasty bitch during sex. You have a point. You have a point. Right? It's kind of hot, right? I just <laughs> learned so much about you in that answer. <laughs> I just don't know if I'd be able to, like, <laughs> stay hard with the Brad Dourif voice. Oh my god. 
I don't know. But you, I, don't, I don't need to stay hard because that little doll will be always plastic hard. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. And then I guess Ooh. I would marry Freddie, but that's just because there's no other option. <laughs> <laughs> oh, bitch. It's the bottom of the barrel, girl. Yeah, bottom of the barrel. I just had to fuck the, I mean, kill the leprechaun. But I think marry Freddie just because, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> He's left. He's all that's left. It's last call. I guess I'll take the burnt one. <laughs> I'll take my extra crispy, please. Oh my yeah. god. Uh, I think I'm gonna have to. Oh fuck! This you're fucked up for listing this one. What the fuck, man? Instant kill on Leprechaun. Like as oh, soon that was as easy. he stepped out from the shadow. Just... Oh yeah, that's a no. I should think I would. Fuck Freddy and marry Chucky. Just because I think it'd be fun with Chucky because he's got a potty mouth and we would fuck with everybody. <laughs> exactly. There we go. Love it. That's super valid. Um, instant kill leprechaun. I think I'm only fucking Chucky just because I'm like, what are we working with? I wanna know. Like oh my, my curiosity. <laughs> Your mind is curiosity wild. killed the cat. <laughs> <laughs> Tiff <laughs> Tiffany was satisfied, so let's She was ready to be wifey, so there's gotta be something to it. So That's like right. Like everybody else, Freddie's just left. So I guess I'll marry Freddie. I'll just, yeah. I know I'm going to be annoyed. I know I'm going to be annoyed. Oh, probably. Yeah. Just like yeah. anybody else's marriage. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. We all get annoyed with our partners. <laughs> I'll see y'all shade. Thank you so much for playing Fuck, Mary Kill. If you'd like to hear more, please head over to their podcast. I love anytime, anytime you guys play your games. Oh my gosh. And we never know when we're going to play them because usually we decide what we're doing about five minutes before we start recording. So <laughs> you never know when it'll happen. <laughs> this week, we are finally heading to Haddonfield, Illinois and discussing Laurie Strode and Michael Myers return to the big screen. Listeners, we are not talking John Carpenter's 1978 classic, nor Rob Zombie's remake from 2007, but chatting all about Dave and Gordon Green's 2018 hit Halloween. A ding 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 ding. <laughs> Michael Myers spent the last 40 years in captivity. I have prayed that he would escape so I can kill him. He's waited for this night. He's here. He's waited for me. Michael! Listeners, you can currently catch the epic fight between The Shape and Lori on Fubo. Fubu? I still don't know how to pronounce this guy. For <laughs> us, by <laughs> us. <laughs> Besides that, you're going to have to rent or purchase this one. And I find that so odd, especially with the new one coming out and that one being straight to streaming. Okay. On Peacock. Why wouldn't this be on Peacock? I know. Well, because you still have to pay $10 for Peacock in order to watch it. So I think that they're just like, everyone's going to want to watch 2018 before Halloween Kills. So let's make them pay. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, good idea. 420, which is smoking. What did you pair with this week's momentous occasion? My high is kicking in. So <laughs> I did not smoke, but I ate. I had these good news gummies. It's the Pride <laughs> Edition. They are assorted sours. Sativa, 
And they're 10 milligrams each. And I was only going to eat one because they do get me kind of perked. So I forgot. Oh, no. I was only going to eat half of one. And I forgot that. So I started eating the whole thing. But I spit out a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) Well, here's the thing. Whenever we get, like, super stony when we're recording, by the end of it, Frankie's like, Asleep. asleep and so <laughs> so I was like I was like it's like you have to be awake for this like we can't embarrass ourselves on another podcast <laughs> so Jake was in my head and I was like <laughs> <laughs> it's okay guys I threw it up yes yeah yes. but don't Thank worry you. I already pooped it out <laughs> it's the least you can do I am currently smoking from my pipe I'm smoking uh, my favorite strain which is the peach OZ by Wonder Brett that sounds uh, it's a, amazing. Yeah, it's so good. It's like a mix of peach rings and their um, their OZ Kush, which is another cross of uh, OG Kush and Blueberry Skittles. So um, definitely one of my, just like the strain that I smoke all day, every day. Uh, it's like a hybrid, a little bit of a sativa leaning, and um, I love it. Check out some Wonder Brett products. They're my faves. Ooh, come on. We love Super that. terpy, super tasty. has a really good, like, peachy, um, citrusy sort of uh, taste to it, too. Super tasty. Mmm. Mm. I'm very jealous. That sounds delicious. I am still... I got, like, a free... Not a free, but, like, a dispo- one of those, like, little vape disposable pens okay. uh, yes. from the shop that I went to go pick up at, and I think this was Blue Dream. Yes. Uh, another one of my faves. Jackie, what are we smoking on? I double dipped again this, this week. I was like, you know what? I'm going to need something special today. So I uh, dab Logic's pen. I know it's mm-hmm. CBD. And then the bud tender was like, this is fire. And I was like, cool, put it in the bag. So, so far, it's been great. She's almost gone, which usually means it's oh, a good nice. thing. So this is our first time finally reviewing the Halloween franchise. So much like the franchise, we do not care about timelines and I have gone completely out of order when reviewing our films. So thank you for being here and popping our Halloween cherry. Mm. Oh my God, we're so excited to do that for you. We are. <laughs> Honey, you've got a big storm coming. Let's just dive in and see how this movie was made. Halloween released 2018 with a runtime of one hour and 46 minutes. It is rated a hard R, which I highly appreciate within the Halloween franchise. Just kidding. (laughs) 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 Moving on to taglines. Face your fate. 40 years later, evil returns home. Trick or treat. That last one, why? Why is, why is trick or treat a tagline? I love it. To the point. <laughs> not trick or treat. Yeah, not trick or treat. Somebody, somebody like in a meeting was like, guys, I have the perfect one. Trick or treat. And they're like, oh, there it is. Put it on the poster. <laughs> My favorite one is face your fate. That's like the best one. Because this 40 years later, evil returns home. I'm like, sweetie, no. First of all, too long. <laughs> and secondly. Thank you. I like them short and snappy. Right. Yeah, that's not even and, clever. Uh, it's not even clever and it too, reminds me too much of H2O and I know everyone's going to disagree with me but H2O to me is not my it's my least favorite Halloween <gasps> yeah I know I know the scandal really yeah, <laughs> resurrection is in that that group don't forget I, everybody <laughs> yes of course yeah that that whole timeline 
is just but I, I I give more credit to Resurrection because I'm like at least they tried to do something different. H2O was like I'm gonna be Scream too. Oh my god, <laughs> he's he's real mad about the Scream Two <laughs> score in there. Yes, and the Scream scores in it. It's like that is just it's an embarrassment <laughs> to the franchise. Honestly. <laughs> I, I stand I can fully understand Scream's influence was far too wide reaching for a lot of stuff. But uh... it's like if you're the if you're the OG slasher that influenced Scream, don't take a page out of their book. Like you're the one writing the book. Come on. Like no. I that's why I don't And yeah. straight up straight up use a clip from Scream 2. Like y'all yeah. really <laughs> And the music so the they literally use the score of Scream 2. For the score the, of that of movie. Scream 1. I'm like, this is when Casey Becker's getting killed. I'm like, oh, wait, yeah, this is Halloween H2O. So is that when, it's so is that when like, Jody Little Keefe is getting it? Like, she's, like... Let's get this roast to cooking. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> I hate... I just don't like that one. So, 40 years later, Evil Returns Home. Gotta go. Totally understandable. It is way too long-winded, and Face Your Fate is the easiest. It's to the point, and I like it. I like it a lot. Uh, our film is directed by David Gordon Green, who had been known for directing mainly comedies like Pineapple Express, Your Highness, and The Sitter. Like stoner comedies. <laughs> Seriously. This movie feels very like a stoner bro wrote it. And I mean that in like the best way and also the worst way at some points. Oh, yeah. Yeah, sure. I think because it does feed it so much into that fan service. And this is like that crowd, like the stoners that stay home and play video games and watch scary movies. Like, yes. <laughs> Sweetie, you're calling my name, right? <laughs> <laughs> but these white comedies on this filmography, that's what made me nervous at first with this post-production stuff. I was like, not these. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> not your highness. That, I'm so serious. All three of these, I'm like, I will never watch these again. Same, 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 same. So I was nervous. I, I was nervous to see these names attached. I was like, not these people. I was oh, more no. nervous to see uh, Danny McBride's name attached as a oh, fucking writer. I know. I was like, he shouldn't There's even room be an for everybody. actor. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but rounding out our writing staff, we have Danny McBride, Jeff Bradley, and David Gordon Green all putting in their two cents to this script. And in, um, in my personal opinion, I think it's a pretty solid script. Oh, yeah. It totally it's is. They thought of everything. Oh, yeah, they thought of everything. They made sure everything was, like, smooth as far as, like, the exposition of this movie goes, because there's a lot. But it doesn't there feel heavy-handed. It doesn't feel heavy-handed. Exactly. So that... I think the way they handled all the exposition probably is handled beautifully. There's just a few questionable turns that they do. Oh, that sure. I'm just like, mm, okay. But we'll get to them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Starring the one and only, the ultimate scream queen herself, Jamie Lee Curtis as Laurie Strode. She's got a point. She's an icon. She's a legend. And she is the moment. Now, come on now. <laughs> we have Judy Greer as Karen Nelson, also known as Karen Strode. Andy Matichak as Allison Nelson. We also have James Jude Courtney as The Shape. Reprising his role as Nick Castle as The Shape. Woo! We have Haluk Belinger as Dr. Sartain. There we go. Will Patton as Officer ha Hawkins. Rain Rees as Dana Haynes. Jefferson Hall as Aaron Corey. Toby Huss as Ray Nelson. Virginia Gardner as Vicky. Dylan Arnold as Cameron Al Alain. 
Yeah, Cameron Elaine. Sure, that looks fine. Miles <laughs> Robinson as Dave, Drew Sheed as Oscar, and Jibrail Nanatum. I looked at that name too. <laughs> Nantambu. Thank you. I, of course, I looked it up beforehand, and here I go messing it up. As Julian, I love this cast. I think everybody brings. Okay. Oh. Wow. Yeah, I think ev- I think a lot of people bring the best that they can especially especially jamie lee curtis she brings oh, yeah. an oscar-worthy performance to this seriously sure. and she, judy <laughs> um, she, oh my god miss judy yeah she, my violet her she, name's violet yeah <laughs> I I knew, it was one of us who was gonna say it first uh, um no yeah miss judy greer coming out from the shadows you know she's always the supporting best friend and i think this is like one of the best like opportunities she's been given to really step out of that and really give us like a fierce performance i agree i love her performance in this i feel like everyone kind of had like an issue with the way she was speaking and the way she delivered mm-hmm. her lines but i just thought of her as like compartmentalizing like her entire life like as she goes so I like loved her performance in this yeah every time I watch it I'm like oh it's like a little stronger than I even remember last time I'm so yes I'm so glad that you brought that up just because this watch around I was originally I had a contention with her performance in it but looking on it after a couple of watches it makes complete sense from her character standpoint to be totally disassociated whenever she talks about her past it's really fantastic yeah definitely she she did her research on like the PTSD I think more than people realize she needs cognitive behavioral therapy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. It's one of my favorite lines. She's clearly a therapist, and all of her lines are yeah. hilarious to she me. She needs cognitive <laughs> behavioral therapy. It's like how she delivers that, which is so good. <laughs> Wait, I have to say, for the cast, I'm just going to preface everything I say after this. For the cast, besides Jamie, Judy, the shapes, both of them, <laughs> and Jabrail. The rest of the cast for me is questionable. Uh, I mean, I think there are, you That's know, there are big names, but also I think that they play like the teenagers pretty accurately. I don't think they're any worse than, uh, you know, Miss PJ Souls in the in the original, or you know, <laughs> mi- you sure. know. Actually. <laughs> Okay. The, All right. I don't know. I don't know. I I don't know. I guess we'll I get think... into it. The more we. Uh, when we break it down. So moving on to reviews. IMDb gave it a 6.5 out of 10. Metacritic gave it a 67 out of 100. Rotten Tomatoes, it got a 79% on the tomato meter and a 70% audience score. Like, I thought they were going to be higher than that, in all honesty. I thought it was higher than that. I thought I it was higher, I, too. I, mm, I know. That's... Are we just fangirls or what? I think this is solid for a horror movie because critics always pan horror movies for whatever reason. And the audience score is always really high. So I think this averages out. I'm surprised at the audience score being 70%. That's what I'm Yeah, me too. I'm kind of disappointed in that. I think it's, I think it's better than that. I I do too. I think these scores don't reflect it. it. You're totally right, Frankie, about just like, I'm so used to the audience score being a lot higher. So the fact that the audience isn't behind it is really strange to me, especially from a very strong iteration from the Halloween franchise. I think that it just doesn't compare for people to like the one, the ones that they have nostalgia for. Some people cannot look past 
their nostalgia. That's why we have so many diehard Friday the 13th fans. I'm like, we have so many things better than that. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. But the nostalgia is what, like, Pete, this will never hold a candle to Halloween 4 for some people. Yeah, that's true. Mm. Which is bizarre. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a fan, but, like, I'm not that big of a fan. (laughs) Pre-production, the want for a Halloween sequel has been in the works for years, with talks including a third Rob Zombie iteration dating as far back as 2010. At the time, enemies of the podcast, the Weinsteins, were in talks to create a Halloween 3D film. There was even a rumored found footage style script all of Paranormal Activity with our boy Mikey taking part in a mockumentary. This, thankfully, would never come to fruition. Oh my gosh, all of those, all of those. Thank the film gods for none of these renditions. (laughs) We didn't need another Rob Zombie. Like, Halloween 2 is the perfect ending to that. (laughs) We did not need another Rob Zombie iteration of Halloween. Or Halloween 3D, like 3D, like just 3D or like 3 I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I know. And this Let, paranormal. Let's keep, let's keep Halloween out of the trailer park. That's all. I'm <laughs> not. Please. Not... Can't. And not paranormal activity, girl. No. no oh no. my god! Right? Not found footage. Like they really try to pull a resurrection, and like, like I please. was thinking the same thing. I was like, we still did this anyways. Well, they had already did it in resurrection. No, just no. No. Yeah, I know. And like, uh, even at this point, like found footage had started dying out by this point anyway. So I'm glad they didn't because this would have killed it, I think. Like, it would have been emerging. I didn't need. It wouldn't be until May of 2016 that a co-financing deal with Blumhouse Productions and Miramax and Universal Pictures distributing that we would see any inclination that a new Halloween was on its way. Within even better news, John Carpenter signed on as an executive producer in 2016. Carpenter stated, 38 years after the original Halloween, I'm going to help to try to make the 10th sequel the scariest of them all. (laughs) Aw, how sweet. (laughs) By February of the next year, David Gordon Green and Danny McBride were announced as handling screenwriting duties directing, and Carpenter advising the project. Yeah, you said duties. <laughs> you said duties. <laughs> Apparently Carpenter, they didn't make any steps without Carpenter's say-so. And I think that's probably why this movie feels really, it feels like a really close like brother to the original, which is all credit to everybody involved. Yeah, totally. I mean, yeah, there's all the things you want. You want the score, you want, mm-hmm. you know, just the original look, you want the original cast, like, you know, everything that you'd want to see in a sequel is in here. And so thank God for John Carpenter's involvement, for sure. That was the blessing that this production needed. Seriously. The newly set team set out to wipe the slate clean and start fresh with the messy mythos of Halloween. Instead of making Halloween 11, the team set out to connect this film directly to the first one, thus creating a new timeline, bringing the total amount of timelines to five. That's uh, the Curse of Thorn timeline, which includes Halloween 1, 2, 4, 5, and 6. The Anthology timeline, which includes Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. Uh, The H2O timeline, which includes Halloween 1, 2, 7, and 8, which are H2O and Resurrection. And then the Rob Zombie timeline, which includes the 2007 Halloween remake and its sequel. Ooh, messy. She's messy. I'm really interested to see how you all would rank 
these timelines. Uh, Frankie loves a rank. He loves it. I love a rank. <laughs> <laughs> he loves it. Ooh. Okay, I'll go first. I would have to rank this new timeline my favorite, and then followed by the Curse of the Thorn timeline. Then... This is Sophie's choice. Don't fuck it up. Don't it fuck is, it up. <laughs> I'm going to say Anthology, then H2O, then Rob Zombie. Wow, that was not what I thought you were actually going to rank yours as. You thought oh Rob God. Zombie was going to be way higher. I don't know who you are anymore. Oh my God. Well, what's yours? <laughs> the girl you knew is not me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not myself. <laughs> I think it would go this timeline, this new one that we're doing, H2O, Anthology, Thorn, and then Zombie. Oh my god, that's what mine was. Oh my god. Oh really? Yours is that same thing? Yeah, I think so. Thorn mm. gets too messy for me. Thorn just yeah, gets. I don't like it. I didn't grow up with six or anything, so I don't give a fuck about it. <laughs> <laughs> I have to admit that I like the ingenuity of the Thorn trilogy. You do like it, okay? Yeah. I do. I thought I would rank that my highest. I would rank this my second highest. I almost want to tie the two because I really love this this sequel. So tie, okay, and then and then I would say the Rob Zombie ones. He tried something different. Did it pay off? I don't know, but I appreciate <laughs> it. You know, and again, season three, just because it tried to do something new. Mm-hmm. Okay, season three. Season three. I was like, wait, what are we I'm, talking about? Of American Horror Story. <laughs> Fear the Talking Queer, season three. Yes. <laughs> uh, I was like, wow, I saw um, a lot. I didn't realize. <laughs> and, and then H2O Resurrection, very last, very last. That's last fair. Piece. Those are very fair. I wasn't expecting a, a, a ranking that was very on the spot. <laughs> there you go. You might regret your decisions later. I <laughs> might. We might have to edit this out later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, people are going to be coming for you. They're going to be mad. <laughs> so to ensure the connection to the 1978 classic and to reunite those involved, Jamie Lee Curtis was confirmed to reprise her role as Laurie Strode. Also invited to the party would be Nick Castle, who originally portrayed Michael Myers, with James Judy Courtney set to portray Myers as well. Also, I didn't know until research that PJ Souls is totally the voice of Allison's teacher as a fun voice cameo. Wow. That's awesome. I didn't know that. That's great. I didn't know that either. Linda and Annie are my favorite characters from the entire <laughs> yes. franchise. So, yes, 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 yes. Love that. That is cute. Oh, totally. Why is Michael Myers played by GB Bull? I think they wanted Nick back as just like a, yeah. And I know he's only in like a few handful of shots and he does like breathing for some Michael stuff. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's the important stuff. Right? <laughs> That's, yeah. Those are the important pieces we need. Thank God, oh, thank God so they got him back. <laughs> it's, so is, is, is Mr. Courtney the like stunt stunt guy? And he just happens to be the face also? That's what I don't get. I think he is a stunt person who just happens to also be the new face of Michael Myers, I guess. Wait, if I'm not so, mistaken. Wait, so which one is the one without the mask in the movie, like in the beginning? James Jude uh, Courtney. Courtney. That's mm-hmm. James Jude Courtney Cox Arquette. That's that one? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Twice removed. Exactly. <laughs> okay, okay. Just making sure. <laughs> Moving on to production. Filming would begin in January of 2018 in Charleston, South Carolina. Principal photography would conclude in late February and reshoots would be filmed in June. 
For Michael's new mask, the mask would be weathered and aged to reflect the evolution since its original incarnation. Special effects makeup artist Christopher Nelson would recreate the original 1978 mask and then study mask aging over periods of years in order to create the new style. Do we like this new mask? I have to ask. I love it. I love it. I think it's pretty close to the original mask. Mm-hmm. enough to be recognizable sometimes I'm like it's just wrinkly it looks oh like Jamie Lee Curtis's face <laughs> and those, those eyebrows <laughs> oh my god you're so rude <laughs> I'm like Halloween 2018 starring two old hags <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh but you want to really fight um yeah I don't know I, I, I like it I think it looks good does this one have those weird thin eyebrows it does right but not as bad as the ones in like H2O or Resurrection yeah. Yeah. Oh gosh. Yeah. Yeah. It kind of has its nose turned up and it's like lips like. Yeah. (laughs) Oh yeah, it does. Yeah. Of all the Mariah Carey masks, this one is. (laughs) (laughs) I will say too, also South Carolina being the filming location, I think I'm like, at least it looks a little more fall than like, you know, the summer in Pasadena. But but it does look very different. Like it doesn't look. It has enough to be like okay, Haddonfield, but it's mm-hmm. too, it's almost like too fall to be directly mm-hmm. oh connected yeah. to the original. It should have just been like no brown leaves, all green all year. Just want to take place in the summer. I guess it didn't really like occur to me that it, like it looked different. I just like bought right into it. I was like, yes, we're back in Haddonfield, but it's like literally in a different state. <laughs> well, watching this for for your for your podcast, it's like I watched 1978 and 2018 as a double feature, which I've never done before. And Halloween 1978 is so green with just like a few brown leaves. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> and things have this changed thing, since like the a, 70s, okay. <laughs> things have changed. Yeah, but now they're in sepia town. It's like yeah. I don't know, it <laughs> Yeah, they're going backwards. <laughs> For post-production, we of course must mention the excellent and absolutely bonkers score to this film. John Carpenter returns to the composer's chair and joining him is his son, Cody Carpenter and Daniel Davies. Together, the trio create one of Halloween's best scores, in my opinion, and one particular song, the iconic Shape Hunts Allison. It was created by running a bow across a guitar, creating the intense bass and haunting sounds. And this is my absolute favorite Halloween soundtrack, period. 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 It's over. Everybody go home. Oh my, it's so good. I'm just like over here twerking to it. Like, I love it. <laughs> yeah. Bam. <laughs> I'm like, do, 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 because it's like faster, you know? Go, go, go. <laughs> <laughs> it is amazing. Like, when I first heard, um, I'm so glad you pointed out Shape Hunts Allison because that was the one that gave me chills. Like, in theaters, Damn. like watching it. And as soon as like she sees him and it's just like, I'm like, oh my god, this score is blowing it out of the water for me. It definitely, like, you didn't, for me, the Halloween theme is what frightened me as a child. And, like, this movie, before it became my favorite, used to scare the shit out of me. I used to be horrified of Michael Myers, and especially that theme. That theme is iconic, and so for... John Carpenter to come back and reprise his role as composer and to switch it up and bring his son on board as well as another composer and try to elevate his already iconic score was um, amazing to listen to in all honesty. Yeah, it's definitely like another win for that fan service, you know. 
getting everybody on board like it was like the, it's like the cherry on top of this whole like you know oh, reunion yeah. and I, um and there's love it. there are so many cool sounds in the music that play into how unique some of those sound cues were in the original where it's like ding like uh-huh. you're like oh, what is that like you know all these like dings and abrupt <laughs> sounds are like whoa yeah it's so cool lastly for our fun facts Jibril Nantambu apparently improvised a majority of his lines, including his clipping his nasty-ass toenails. <laughs> I adore this little kid. What a star. A star. A what star. a little star. He stole that scene. He stole the movie. <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> Honestly. Amongst the young actors, he's the most talented. And then lastly, the two police officers at the end of the film are played by two very unlikely actors. Officer Richards is played by Charlie Benton, who was the set's police technical advisor. And Officer Francis is played by none other than special effects artist Christopher Nelson. Pull in double duty. We'd love to see it. Yes, police technical advisor. (laughs) (laughs) Bringing authenticity. Yeah, they all die. I'm totally buying into that. (laughs) Is he the one that turns to a fucking pumpkin? Oh my god. <laughs> Before we begin, we're gonna head to commercial. We'll be right back after these messages. We open at Smith's Grove Rehabilitation Facility. We are accompanying Dr. Sartain as he checks in with his patients. We cut to Aaron and Dana, investigative journalists, also known as podcasters. Uh, Our people. They're getting ready for their interview with Doc and Michael Myers, the doctor being a former student of one Dr. Loomis. He studied Loomis's life work and lobbied to be in the care of Michael Myers. The sound design immediately catches your attention from this movie, and it is ridiculous because it just doesn't hold up. The the sound design is so good in this movie. (laughs) Especially in the beginning. Yeah, it is good. Like the buzzer and the the way the music is playing and the way they just, they're using the voices going on in the background. Yeah, it's very like intrigued by this. Yeah, yeah, definitely some really good sound design going on. Yeah, I'm not sure I love the podcasters, but go off set. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what a poor representation. <laughs> I know, I'm like, with none of us available. Yeah, I know. <laughs> they make their way to the courtyard where patients are getting some sun, and he asks if they can get closer to Michael to get a sense of his awareness or lack thereof. Doctor states that Michael is very aware. We get this weird monologue about the mask and Aaron keeps screaming for Michael to say something as the energy (laughs) and noise build and cut to our title card. Beautiful. So that was like a really quick, like watered down rundown of what happens because in the actual film, that sound design is just like heightened and heightened and it's just layered all the patients just start going they're like radiating off of each other feeding off of each other and they all just start popping off oh yeah for sure they're like celebrate good times like they are like (laughs) they're going for it and it's like getting louder and louder and louder and right to that cut where we get to the to the title card it's so good. It's a lot of built-up tension that they're making. Yes. Yes. It builds so much tension with the sound design. Um, but this is one of the reasons I don't like these podcasters. Like, him just yelling at Michael. Like, oh, my God. I'm first like, First of know. all, l- lower your voice. You're triggering all the other patients. You're <laughs> out of good control. <laughs> like, relax. Like, it's fine. Like, not screaming at this person, first of all, that you have never met. And, like, demanding <laughs> I to know. say something. Who's a serial killer. The penguin was super upset over this. 
and no one said anything. The doctor didn't like yeah. tell him to stop yelling, know that this is against her code of conduct, nothing. Where did you get the clearance for this? Yeah, just do do also, do. Like this is normal. We let people come and yell at our at our serial killers all the time. Ain't no thing. Uh, all this this is fantastic. And who do you know at the at the police department that you were able to swipe Michael's mask all those oh, years ago? I know. There's, I have so many questions from these podcasters. You guys not are taking the most crucial piece of evidence. <laughs> Yeah. Like, what is this? Yeah, by the way, we just happen to have this. We got this on Etsy for, like, $25. Yeah. Like, is this the original mask? And if so, it's 40 years old. Get it out of your purse, bitch. Oh, wait a minute. Bitches. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Do you like these podcasters? I don't know if I do. I I do not like these podcasters. Like, from the jump, I don't like these uh, podcasters. Uh, uh, investigative journalists. Oh, that's true. Investigative that's true. journalists. Yes, of course. <laughs> that's what we consider ourselves, too. <laughs> <laughs> Who said that? Who said that? Who said that? But right out the gate, what I really appreciate about the movie is that they are going full steam ahead with this idea of Michael being the essence of evil and people just, like, radiating, radiating off of it. I love I love that direction, especially since it like I Halloween kills looks like it's definitely gonna play off of uh Michael being pure evil. I hope that's explained more. I hope that like that's just the tip of the iceberg of explaining what the essence of evil means because it also feels like a little bit of just like right. uh this is an easy explanation as to why we're gonna have three full movies of Michael Myers just being blown to pieces and then coming back every time. <laughs> well, I also think that, I mean, I, we'll get into it, but I also think that's why Dr. Sartain's introduction into this is so important because sure. they do take away that superhuman ability that Michael has and they use Sartain to kind of help facilitate that theory. Yeah, a bit. But, yeah. but then I'm like, okay, no one can kill him. Like, no yeah. one can just shoot him in the head. I know. I yeah. Know. We'll blow all of his hand off pretty much and he'll keep or on his the entire torso. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Like Dr. Loomis. <laughs> Like that was forty years ago. <laughs> between the podcast, between the podcasters and Doctor Sartain, I was like, "Does this take place in London?" <laughs> yeah, yeah. Halloween, Haddonfield, England. <laughs> yes. Surprise! We switch continents. Uh, yeah, that'd be a real switch up. They missed an opportunity there. Uh, John Carpenter's infamous score is suddenly updated for this opener, and we get a great decomposing Jack O'Lantern coming back to life as our opening credits roll listing all the amazing cast and crew behind this very loved project. We then cut to Haddonfield, Illinois, October 30th. Aaron and Dana have tracked down Lori to her fortress of a home. They are able to weasel their way into bribing her with $3,000 for an interview. She allows them into her fortress where they ask invasive questions and expose her trauma and the trauma she's passed on to her family. Lori's quickly fed up with her buffoonery and asks for her money and asks for them to leave. Yes, my favorite moment of this is when um, Miss Lori Strode is like, he killed five people and he's we need to understand he's human. (laughs) I get, I'm twice divorced, I'm a monster. And I'm like, you're right, (laughs) sis. She's dropping truth. But I do think this is all, this is interesting, like introducing this idea of like equating Michael and Lori both being some kind of monster. Um, mm-hmm. I do think that is a really interesting take on this. I don't know if it's like is how PC that is. I guess as far as like you know, 
obviously she's suffering from a lot of post-traumatic stress um you know but i mean i i do think they're like trying to like make a really strong parallel that while michael is a monster Lori's also a monster because look how she raised her kids and how she's a you know a hermit in her house like kind of interesting i would say i feel like it's kind of a commentary in that post like how to get away or not how to get away with murder oh my with <laughs> how to make how to make a murderer oh yeah yeah that like Netflix. it's mm. it's very that like okay michael we need to understand and what about Lori? is she a monster too it's like yeah sure it's is. like examining <laughs> it from all angles like everybody has a story um so i guess okay i think you're right that might be a little post how to make a murderer thing going on and I dig that because they really delve into that later on when they visit, visit Judith's like grave and all that good stuff. But what I just can't stand about these freaking podcasters is it's like right out the jump. They start off with like, oh, we're, we we look at it from an unexamined angle. And then they're like, you're a fucking monster. You're a yeah. horrible lady. <laughs> Why are you a horrible lady? Oh, Jesus. Gross. Aaron also does the whole gaslighty thing. He's like, so you believe the go- yes. boogeyman? And then immediately, like, he's not real. I was like, well, why ask the question, you asshat? Yeah, excuse me. Yeah. Like, don't come into my going. motherfucking fortress and, you know, tell me who I am. No, yeah, I don't know. It, it, it is very strange that they would feel so presumptuous to come into somebody's house and then, yes. d- like, ask for her to meet the man who murdered five people and yeah. almost butchered he's her. like he's like i met michael he's just a person like he's fine it's fine but bitch you got your kids taken away from you yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh okay okay yeah they're the worst you, you mentioned earlier the movies need to like there's a lot of exposition dumps and we kind of need it especially since we're going yeah. with a new timeline i like this framing device of using podcasters as that way in but it's they're so insufferable. <laughs> they're they're uh, they're the real villains of this movie. Yeah. I'm sorry. They are. They, we, we, if we had been podcasters at that point, like it would have. They needed us. <laughs> we would have threw that mask at him. What the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> we meet our new Strode family or the Nelson family, whichever, around the breakfast table. Allison, Laurie Strode's granddaughter, has made the honor society, and she asked if her grandmother was invited to the ceremony. Karen, Laurie's daughter, who is also believed to be a therapist, lies and states, yeah, but she won't be coming because she's agoraphobic. She needs cognitive behavioral therapy. We're also introduced to Karen's husband, Ray, another source of comic relief in the film. From here, we meet Allison's friends, Vicky and Dave, as they make their way to school. We get a quick rundown on their family dynamic and debunk the myth that the shape is Lori's brother. We also learn that Allison knows Karen is lying because she already contacted her grandmother and she knew nothing. Dave is a tool and blows up someone's jack-o'-lantern. Not I, this. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like this breakfast scene. Like really? Ray is just doing the most. I love he, him. It, it kind. I, I think that. I and I do think that this is a callback to. I I could be wrong, but to Rob Zombie's Halloween. Like there's some iconic breakfast scenes in that in that oh, okay. f- first movie. <laughs> like and but I think those are better than this. Ew, no. <laughs> what what was reason. the reason? What was the reason? I don't like the peanut butter dick thing. I don't like that. <laughs> peanut butter on I don't penis. like that. I have to agree. I'm not the biggest fan of Ray. I think 
I just peanut butter on the penis. Come on. <laughs> I would take skull fucking over peanut butter on the penis. Oh my god. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. He I I think he's funny and charming and I'm very sad at his fate every time. I'm like, oh, not Ray. I said I felt. Now, if you were one to sit there. I was ready for Ray. I was, I was, he was a body for me to be used on the count. <laughs> I was, it, it's fine. I don't mind this breakfast scene. This is where I had contention originally when I watched it with Karen as a character because she seemed so aloof and just disconnected. But further watching it's just judy greer being amazing per usual because it's close to halloween i just take it to her character as like protecting herself that she knows her mom's gonna do some some laurie strode fucked up shit this whole movie <laughs> but going into allison and her friends this is where the talent for me kind of is a little softer than the rest of the cast i think what that a delicate way to put that I was Andy. thinking the same thing. You said that so nicely. Me and oh. Nick are always just like, they fucking suck. Fuck that bitch. <laughs> they're just not as pronounced. But I, I do like their dynamic. I think that they're all very attractive. Um, and especially like Miles Robbins, like Hollywood royalty, right? It's, but it's like, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not convinced that they are good actors. Oh my God. I wasn't bothered by because their acting not. at all. I, I mean, I think they're fine. And I think that, like I said, I like, what. I think we need to go back and look at the acting in 1978. You know, like, it's not great either. Like, give it me a choices. Break. Right, of course. But they're it's more different iconic. Time, different but, style of acting. How did that, like, become more iconic than this will ever be? You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, make a very valid point. I mean, that is that is true, but I don't think that they are any less talented than the people that we love so much in the original. I will say, I think that they're good. That's true. I can agree with that. I do. I mean, I think they're fine. They do their job. I think they're fine. I just Dave is just like a Jared Leto wannabe, so I'm like, okay, like that's (gasps) fine. Like I'm. (laughs) Oh my god, you were talking about Miss Susan Sarandon's son. Oh my god. (laughs) I'm just in this particular movie. They really style him in a way. Like I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what it is about choices. Thank you. It's it's probably just the choices. But I de- these characters aren't really like they're cardboard cutouts to me. And I think that's kind of why you don't like their acting mm-hmm. because I don't know if there's much to act off to of the characters. For- right. They're not super. Di- they're not like distinctly written. Right, yeah. and I think that's the difference. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe Lin- Linda and Annie had their own personalities that differentiated Absolutely. from Lori, even. So the trio of that, you know, or the dynamic of that trio was more, was better. This one is more just like they're, beside, aside from, you know, Dave and Vicky are like the one and the same. They're like teens who mm-hmm. smoke, drink, and have sex, and that's it. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm a, that's enough. <laughs> one of the babies. <laughs> <laughs> and we're good. <laughs> we meet Allison's boo, Cameron, and are introduced to our comedic relief, Oscar, Cameron's best friend. From there, we follow Allison to class, where the infamous classroom shot from 1978 is recreated, but with Lori in place of Michael. Allison meets with Lori after class, where her grandmother gives her 3000 given to her by the podcasters. She denies the money, but Lori insists, Fuck college. Go to Mexico. And they leave on a sour note when Allison calls out Lori for the trauma she's inflicted on Karen, and ultimately, her... Afterwards, we get a quick cut of Lori at target practice where she's one hell of a shot, obviously. I mean, I would expect nothing less from Miss Jamie Lee Curtis and Lori Strode. Absolutely. I'm Sydney Prescott. Of course I have a gun. <laughs> yes! Oh my God. Oh, oh, so we meet these other kids, right? 
Um, these are the ones that I don't really care for. I don't really care for Mr. Little Jack Black-esque, whatever that kid is. <laughs> I'm like, oh. Seth Rogen, the yeah. rat, all of them. Like, yeah. uh, I was yeah, like, it's a no. David yeah. Gordon Green's got to have them in every single one of his movies, yeah, apparently. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you do <laughs> yeah. not know that this He's is like, Seth Rogen. <laughs> we just need a, yeah, we just need a curly-head kid that represents us. Yeah. <laughs> we do need that. I'm Yeah, I don't really care for for these characters one turns out to be an, actually both of them turn out to be complete assholes at least uh yes at least vicky and what vicky and what's his face are you vicky know, and dave yeah yeah they're like not they're more likable so, they're likable sure. they're yeah. sweet kids yeah these two are pieces of shit so <laughs> for me on them <laughs> I love that she's still a grandma through and through. She may be a crazy grandma, but she's still. She's not a grandma. You. She's a grandmother. Oh yeah, grandmother. Grandmother. I was like, what are we in Anastasia? <laughs> grandmother. Is my grandmother coming to my ceremony? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we are still in London. I don't know. <laughs> it's gonna be a new fan theory. Yeah. This yes. whole Halloween was set in London. Oh, oh my god. god. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I love it. I love that she was like, fine, I'll put it in my college fund. And Laurie immediately goes, fuck college. Go to Mexico. I know. Do something fun. Oh, my God. I'm like, she, she'll she probably get murdered in Mexico, too. Like, yeah. <laughs> well, I, I think it's because Michael's Laurie... going to be on the beach with a margarita yeah. and a knife. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I know. He's going to find her wherever. I do like this change in Lori because in the first one, she's so like by the book, like, oh my God, he Mm -hmm. smelled the weed. I'm screwed. And, you know, like uh, I'm by the, you know, everything's Mr. Riddles and all this stuff. Like, it's just like, (laughs) oh, like poor sweet Lori. Like she spent so much time like trying to be perfect just to be, uh, you know, attacked by a serial killer. And then now it's like, you know what? Fuck all that. Like. Just do live your life before you're murdered by Michael Myers. Yeah, because it's inevitable. She's jaded now. She's survived now. Now she doesn't give a fuck about pretty much anything except surviving. And if your sweet little god granddaughter, sure, yeah, granddaughter, if, granddaughter, here, here, go, go buy some weed. Go, go crazy. Get some strippers. You deserve it. That's yeah. the type of gra- grandmother. Get a fake ID. I need. The grandmother. Get a fake ID. She's like, go to Mexico, buy a pinata full of cocaine, and live your fucking life. <laughs> but we also get more establishing of like this Lori, this new timeline Lori, right, right, the right. total badass that she is. How how prepared she is, and how traumatized she is from that one night of event. Before we move on, how do you feel about this new Lori? I uh, like I said, I feel like they're like making a lot of like uh deliberate equation what am i what am i saying not equations but they're comparing <laughs> her a lot to michael so like now we have this shot of them in the in the in the in the classroom where you know she's looking oh, out allison's yes. looking out and then we see Lori, which is like what we associate as like michael like him standing there but i thought she was gonna Lori. see michael i was like how predictable but then right. miss Lori standing there yeah. but i thought it was michael because they're wearing the same mask no, <laughs> <laughs> why does michael have a wig oh my God. Yeah. wig okay yeah <laughs> no but i i know i really i really like it i think it's a um I think this Lori is a really good depiction of somebody who does actually go through something post-traumatic. And um, I think that it's a really 
a really honest way to portray that like some people won't just get over it you know or they're not going to repress it like they're going to actively fight against it and I think that's a really interesting thing that we don't see too often when we talk about people with P- PTSD you know we see them as like oh I don't even I don't even remember that it happened I've suppressed it well she hasn't suppressed it she hasn't forgot it a goddamn day in her life and so I, I right. like that they're sort of portraying her as that Every day is Halloween for Lori Strode. <laughs> but also, I do kind of like that they sort of kept the integrity of her return for H2O. Like, they were like, I thought you quit drinking, Mom. You know, like, that sort of stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This plays into that Carrie Tate version of Lori. Oh, my God. So, yes. it's almost like the phases of, like, the PTSD that are playing mm-hmm. out. Like, now sure. we're at, like, that was the 20-year mark, and now we're at the 40 <laughs> 40-year mark. Yeah. She's put down the bottle and she's picked up the gun. (laughs) We'd love to see it. We are now with Aaron listening to some old interviews with Dr. Loomis where he is proclaiming that Michael needs to die. Simultaneously, we are watching Michael being transferred to another facility. Outside, Lori chugs the Ford Loco with a gun in hand while she watches the bus pull out of the facility. We join the family at a celebratory dinner at TGI Fridays where the family is finally introduced to the infamous Cameron. Lori decides to crash the dinner drunk and continues to chug Karen's wine. She sits down and immediately breaks down. She explains that she saw him. The shape. Karen tries to calm her down, but Lori walks away from the table and Allison follows. They have a quiet moment outside before we cut to Karen breaking down how she spent her childhood. I learned how to shoot a gun when I was eight. I learned how to fight. I had nightmares about the basement. I have spent my entire life trying to get over the paranoia and neurosis that she has projected on me. That's a lot Deep. to dump on your child in a parking lot of a TGI Fridays. <laughs> Honestly, like, mom, we're out trying to eat. And my favorite part <laughs> after that monologue is that immediately it's like, oh, got to turn it off. Hi, how yeah. are y'all? <laughs> Hi. <laughs> Karen's an expert. Yeah. She, see, she's the other way. Her post-traumatic stress is one that she, you know, compartmentalizes. As opposed to her mom, mm-hmm. who doesn't. So, again. I, I do love this whole, like, introduction to Karen's backstory. Because it kind of shows us the trajectory that Lori went through. Like, what has Lori been up to in the past 40 years? And I'm like, oh my gosh, how traumatic to be her child. Like, I would mm-hmm. much rather be Jamie Lloyd, where she just dies in a car crash, <laughs> than, than, to be, than to be Karen. Poor Karen. But we find out that it all pays off. So right, right, right. Yeah, sure. all the training, silver lining. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, this is the first time. Have they ever referred to uh, him as the shape Never. before until this moment? Never. I was like, whoa! Yeah. I was like, I know that's like he was. He was only credited as the shape. Yeah, yeah, but to like actually call, she's like, I saw him, the shape, and it's like, oh, <laughs> is that what we call him now? That was another like thing for the fans for sure. Totally fan service answer because i'm like what is the shape and why are we talking about him like that i don't know (laughs) (laughs) like what's the shape can i get one (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah like you said before i really do like this like oh karen also has a very dramatic childhood um so we kind of understand her nobody asked her about her scars yeah that's right (laughs) (laughs) okay this whole sequence of like showcasing the ptsd is 
come on, Jamie Lee. She was really stretching for an Oscar with this one. I just hate that <laughs> horror is always ignored by the Academy because this is fantastic. I will admit though, when I first saw this and she immediately started chugging the wine, I laughed. I was like, ah, great, this is fun. And then it immediately stirred and just like changed direction. It's fantastic. Yeah. I love every bit of it. What I really love about this movie, and we've talked about before multiple times on this freaking podcast is trauma but this particular movie and its depiction of generational trauma and how it's passed is magnificent especially showcased with karen karen is definitely that generation that's trying to move past the familial trauma that's passed on to everybody but allison's only the one that kind of really breaks off that chain and tries to push it forward it's fascinating to watch especially as the movie progresses yes yes yeah it's it's like yeah, Allison's generation. This is the generation of wanting to confront your traumas. And yes. and she's like really trying to get to the bottom of it. Like she's actively seeking out her grandmother in order to, you know, mend something, heal something within the family. And those other two generations are not not budging. They're not, not budging. Yeah, they're not having it. And um so yeah, so I think that's it is a very like good commentary on what general generational trauma is and how we deal with it now and it's so good to push that trauma and make it the physical incarnation of michael myers that begins yeah. stalking everybody because you've ignored the trauma is amazing like the i can never praise the script enough just for that commentary right. and people won't see that like your casual horror movie goer won't pick up on these things they're there yeah. to see michael mm -hmm. myers murder people so i think that going back to the rotten tomato audience score i think that might explain a little bit you know of that. yeah you no know what I'm absolutely saying? like people are people yeah. are looking at different things as like your average audience members if you're like watching these movies with like a little more of a critical eye say as like we do you know uh, for doing this podcast kind of thing um i think we do pick up a little more on the nuances and the intricacies in a script of a movie like halloween that other people wouldn't so i think that explains yeah it Anybody that's going to, like, down the score of this Halloween is, like, somebody who, like, likes the Annabelle movies. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> Sweetie, sit down. Yeah. I love Paranormal Activity, too. Like, I, yes. They're like, I've loved horror ever since Annabelle. Like, okay. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, she can't you, sit with us. Yeah, your opinion matters, sweetie. <laughs> <laughs> a father and son on their way hunting discover an abandoned bus that was transporting Michael and the other patients. The dad gets out to investigate while the young boy calls the police. After he does, he gets out armed with a shotgun to look for his dad, only to discover two undead bodies. While searching for his dad, the young boy accidentally shoots Dr. Sartain, and he quickly darts back to the truck to run away. Suddenly, Michael gives him the Annie treatment and snaps his little neck. From there, we are introduced to Officer Hawkins, who is dispatched to the scene where he finds multiple dead bodies and is still alive Dr. Sartain. I love this. Oh. I love this little queer. He I love just this wanted queer. to go lumpy. to dance for her soul. <laughs> little lumpy just wants to dance. Is that a crime? Of course, all the queers sympathize with the other little queer on the screen. I know. I it's know. like it's like watching Billy Elliot all over again. The, I f I feel like if this little boy survived, he would have grown on to be like Kevin Bacon and Footloose. He just wants to dance. Everybody. Oh my god! Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. The American Ballet Theater was ready for for lumpy. <laughs> To, you know, I forget his name is Lumpy. Yeah. I can't believe uh, the kid's oh, yeah. name is Lumpy. Lump 
Lumpy. That's that little boy's his name. His name is Lumpy. That's what the that's what Why? his grandpa calls him, or his dad. Is that his grandpa or his dad? I have no clue. They were really reaching to get that like Midwestern <laughs> yeah. going on. He's like, come on, Lumpy. Like, not Lumpy. We going hunting. That can't be his name. That has to be like a pet name for dad to son. I don't Lumpy? know. I hope it is. I hope it is. That poor kid doesn't stand a chance. I'm having the Lost Boys moment when I found out that little boy's name from the Lost Boys was Laddie. Oh, I know. <laughs> little Laddie. That's confusing. I mean, it's I pretty know. on the nose. I... He's a little Laddie. I mean, yeah. So this is the first time we get, like, spooky. We finally get an attack. We also start getting these really cool vignettes that the movie keeps doing of, like, leftover bodies that it's just Michael's path, war path that it, that has occurred how do we like the tension built up in the scene? Because I have weird mixed feelings with Lumpy. <laughs> it's kind of cool. I mean, I do appreciate like how it ends, like, but also how it begins. I think that the tension building with just seeing the figures with the, you know, hospital gowns on very reminiscent of the original. I'm like, yes, but I do kind of, I mean, I guess we're getting the like aftermath, but it does sort of feel still like a Rob Zombie film to me where you're just getting <laughs> this body count without actually seeing any action. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's still very like, you know, n- not very obvious, like what's going on. I'm like, did did the bus crash? Did Michael make it crash? Like, did he kill any of these people? Or are they actually dead? I don't know. It's kind of a weird scene and a lot of fog, you know, kind of hard to see. A lot of fog and fluorescent lighting. Also, I'd love anytime someone kills a kid. Oh, yeah. I, I know Thank that's you. probably horrible oh. to say. Balls. Because it, it we know that we're going there. Like, we're like, okay, no one is off limits. Thank you. We're going there. Like, this is going to be a horror. This is a hard R. Children are on the hit yeah, list. Yeah, and this sets up a moment <laughs> that comes later. We haven't gotten there yet. Um, where you're like, oh, my God, oh, my God, he's going to kill another even younger kid and then it doesn't happen you're like whoo but i think this moment sets it up where we're like oh shit lumpy's out anybody can go not lumpy (laughs) it is now october 31st we cut to the haddonfield cemetery where the podcasters are being escorted to judith meyer's grave as they record they describe in great detail the events that occurred that night 40 years ago all while michael watches from afar Back at the hospital, the sheriff waits for Dr. Sartain to awaken, and as he waits, he gets news that all the patients are accounted for except for one, Michael. We are back with the podcasters as they make a pit stop at the gas station from Halloween 4, and Dana makes, I'm just, it's not really, I just said it. Uh, (laughs) Dana makes her way to the loo, and Michael soon follows her after. Along the way, he scores his iconic jumpsuit from a mechanic next door, and after Aaron discovers that all the gas station the employees are dead, he rushes over to check on Dana, where she's already fighting Michael off. Michael quickly kills Aaron by bashing his head in until he bleeds to death, and then he chokes Dana out. He makes an all-too-clean getaway in their car after securing the mask from their trunk. <sighs> There's a lot. Yeah, I, lo- <laughs> I love this whole sequence. I love the callbacks to Halloween 4 and H2O, mm-hmm. and I love the, um, the, the teeth, and the jaw of the yeah. gas station attendant. Station. Like, it's just Ooh, that's so, so brutal. It's it's ramping up like the horror element of this series, and I'm like loving it. Well, these are like our first like we're seeing Michael attack these people and kill them, and we're like, oh, so this is gonna be the level of intensity and gore 
that we can expect from the rest of the movie. And they said they like set the bar high because these people get fucked up by him, <laughs> like royally. Just that that first <laughs> when he first walks in to, uh, I think Aaron walks into the whatever and sees the gas station attendants like jaw like unhinged Ooh. and his like half of his teeth wicked are, prosthetics yeah crazy crazy stuff uh, and so yeah they're definitely setting us up for some brutal ass kills coming up we're practical queens we love any time that your special effects are in camera absolutely oh before this though when they're in that cemetery i will say the standout actress is the the woman that brings them to the grave she is <laughs> the crypt keeper yes she is everything in this she's scene. like uh, who the fuck is judith myers my yeah. cousin works at the <laughs> other one they have bernie mac i don't know the yeah, fuck judith yeah, myers is. <laughs> and this woman's like listening to them talk and she's like y'all need jesus like what like her reaction yeah. hilarious she's like whatever the the detail that they go they like relish in it it's just it's far too much these podcasters are going for yeah. the award-winning stuff it, my favorite, my absolute favorite part, because Michael does it all the time. Michael's just like, are they talking about me? Am I the drama? <laughs> oh I'm the drama. It. Oh, yeah. He loves it. He loves... Am I the villain? Oh. I'm the villain, am I? <laughs> oh, yeah, he loves it. He loves And the podcaster's death, you are, you guys hit the nail on the head. It is the the level that they bring this first like death that we actually get to see is intense uh, this whole sequence is so terrifying for sure like she for sure lost her shit when he uh, attacked so yeah very well done i have to give credit to this movie absolutely for making just michael scary again michael is so visceral and he's angry Come and yes. it, michael got very comedic in the past couple of ones i'm looking at you curse of michael myers and paul rudd <laughs> so Oh God! <laughs> uh huh. We usually try to forget that one, but this Michael is intense, and when he does get his mask, it feels like a hero shot, which is so fascinating, since he is our antagonist in this one. I'd love, yeah. I'd love the shot, and I'd love the score of the slowed down version of the theme. It's fantastic. I even like the tea thing just because it plays into like those little things that he does in the original, like put the sheet over his head and like and just kind like, of like odd. pin people to walls, like Halloween decorations. And so this like trick or treat moment with like teeth is like very like I'm loving that. Oh yeah, for <laughs> sure. And I love that he found a jumpsuit just his size. He found like <laughs> always like, every, every, everything was falling right into place for Michael. So we love to see it. Good for you, babes. That's why he only comes around once a year. It just everything yes. comes in full circle. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, he should have done like a paddle turn like after like, yes, <laughs> I'm back. <laughs> then even yeah. when he put his mask on, it should have been like, you I know. Opportunities yes. guys. I'm writing Danny McBride right now. <laughs> <laughs> After Lori hears about the accident with Michael's bus, she prepares for war and we are shown her underground panic room. She then breaks into Karen's home to warn her. She's quickly pushed out, but not before offering Karen to keep the gun. Back at the gas station, it's revealed that Officer Hawkins was there that fateful Halloween night. He states that there's only one order of business. That's to hunt this thing down. Lori watches silently as she goes to hunt for Michael. Anytime that I get Jamie Lee Curtis yelling, I'm here for it. So just the bang, you're dead. Is my what I my... love that part. I was like, oh, I my... love that part. I was like, she's crazy. <laughs> she's so she's because she's so serious. She's like, bang, you're dead. What the hell is wrong with you guys? Have I you taught have a you nothing? System. 
Your front door wasn't even locked. <laughs> but honestly, like, none of that stuck with Karen. Like, she's just like, is this, like, part of her therapy? Like, she's just going to leave her doors unlocked and just hope for the best. Yeah, it's, it's, like, it's, it's, it's the Disney Prescott Scream 3 ending. Like, that's where she's at in her, you know. Yeah. Where she looks at <laughs> the open my, door. I'm not just going to leave it unlocked. I'm going to leave it open. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> all the flies to get in. My problems with the script is stuff like Officer Hodkins. I don't mind that we get the reveal that Officer Hodkins was there the original night, but I really don't think it does anything for the story. I was like, oh, he was? Yeah, for me, it doesn't really elevate it because it, he does have some sort of vendetta and a connection to Lori, which I appreciate, but it just, I feel like it doesn't go anywhere because he dies and he dies. It, it kind of like plays it's kind of like Freddy versus Jason we talk about that a lot is that like you just jump into this narrative that this happened and we're just supposed to accept it without saying it like, and oh, so like Jason died feels... by water and Freddy died by fire so yeah. how could we use that yeah it's just sort of like lackluster like you're just like are these characters from the past movies like oh no it's just Officer Hawkins he's new um, he's just gonna die. Like, just don't worry about him. But I it's literally like, thought I was like, oh I, my god! I was like, why did I know that this person was in the original, but then it, he wasn't? But I was like, wow! Yeah. It literally confused me. You get a great one take shot of Michael making his descent onto Handenfield. We get subtle nods to previous Halloween movies with the poem told by children and the kill with the hammer from Halloween Two. But this film is more than a mush as Michael continues to stalk the residents in Haddonfield and adds an unsuspecting party pooper to his body count. We cut to Allison at the school Halloween party where she gets a call from her friend Vicky who was babysitting. We get some much needed comedic relief from the young boy she's babysitting Julian. I love these lines. You're gonna go smoke that some weed, that Alakazam. And I think the best line is, you used to be my favorite kid to nanny, but now you're like my 10th favorite boy that I nanny. And I babysit some loser fucking kids. <laughs> See, that's yes. what I'm saying. I don't think Vicky is as bad as we make her out to be. I think her delivery is fun. No, but also I think... England, nanny. <laughs> <laughs> it's all circling round. Here we go, y'all. Come on, Mary Poppins. <laughs> this first this like long shot of michael walking is <sighs> one of my favorites in the whole movie it's so absolutely uh but it it was also kind of spoiled oh yeah for sure it was like dropped like that was like the trailer for some reason and it was literally just like that whole like two minute scene and they use that as like promotion for the movie that's true that's true i still love it <laughs> No, yeah, it still doesn't take away. It's, yeah, it's a great shot, and it's all one take. Yeah, it's it's really, I, first of all, my favorite thing about it is that it brings us to Halloween night trick-or-treating. It's like, oh, yay, now we made it to the Halloween part of the Halloween movie. And so I really mm -hmm. like that, like, seeing all the trick-or-treaters going around. We get, a, is this the part where we, I don't know if we do it yet, but we get the little uh, silver shamrock masks yet. Is this it? Yes. Yeah, yeah this, this is happens it. in the uh -huh. sequence love that you know again we're still making a reference after reference to the old movies to keep all the fans happy yeah, you get that halloween three and then you get the little cowboy and pirate from halloween two yeah. and then of course like um mrs whoever like getting killed um yeah. and then also like even like some of the dialogue that the other woman is saying that gets killed second like some of the dialogue she's saying is from alice and halloween two yeah so it's like this, this is super is so, reminiscent to me of that Halloween 2 so, opening. 
Yeah, and it's so respectful to, like, the sequels that came before it. Like, yeah, we're ignoring them, but don't worry. We know they're there. Right, exactly. Like, it's super important. Like <laughs> they're what fueled this, uh, like, movie. So I love that. And I do think that they play on a lot in this one-shot deal that, like, this is what makes Michael Myers scary is that, like, he's just this yes. shadow who just creeps from door to door who's there and you don't even realize it like I think the part that I get the most is like when he's like looking through the window at the girl talking on the phone and then he goes around the corner and we see his shadow cast on the window in the far end mm-hmm. and then he ends up in the house you're like oh, yeah this is why Halloween is yes. scary so well shot like they like and so simplistic uh, oh, and yeah. just the idea of Michael being the, this presence. Like, honestly, Michael reminds me of like a hurricane, which is why I really yeah. like a lot of the vignettes because it looks like a natural disaster afterwards of what you normally see when this force just comes through and destroys everything. Oh, yeah. So it's really fascinating to see. That single take, I think, is like everybody, it should be your favorite sequence within the whole movie because the fact that they accomplished this is magnificent. And I, you, Jake, I think you also brought up a great point. I think Vicky does great during the yeah. sequence of her with Julian. She's adorable. She's funny. But then, like, it stops for me after that. I think the actor voices <laughs> after that have become different. <laughs> this scene is magical because we do see the difference. I think Jamie Lee Curtis even said this a lot in her interviews, is that you see the difference between Laurie Strode as a babysitter and Vicky as a babysitter and, like, how the times have changed. But also, I was watching, like I said, I watched 1978 right before this for this podcast. And I'm like, Vic, Vicky doesn't hold a candle to Annie. Annie's the worst babysitter on the face of the planet. Oh, she's horrible. <laughs> she's freaking hanging out the laundry room door naked. She like... literally took her kid to another house <laughs> so that she could go fuck her boyfriend. <laughs> like, she's bad. But I do, I do like the scene with Vicky. Yeah. Yeah. Priorities. It was the 70s. It was a different <laughs> time then. The kids were fine. You could leave them with the TV on and go make Nikki upstairs. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> His tradition. <laughs> well, back at the party, Allison catches Cameron kissing another girl. It's just a peck, really. And she also finds his flask and is very upset. He becomes a total asshole and tries to blame her profusely. Her phone rings with more phone calls from her grandmother as he suddenly snags her phone and throws it into a vat of nacho cheese. Allison walks away in tears. We are back with the smart-ass babysitter, Vicky, and now boyfriend, Dave, as they dry hump on the couch. Julian interrupts their non-sex with stories of the boogeyman watching him. After scaring Julian, she attempts to put him back to bed, only this time for the boogeyman to really be there. Michael emerges from the closet and Julian runs off. She puts up the worst fight and Michael quickly kills her a la kitchen knife. Yeah. (laughs) She's a lover, not a fighter. First of all... Did, I thought it, that was vanilla pudding. I didn't know that was Oh nacho my cheese. god, I didn't know what the hell it was. I was like, what is that? <laughs> I thought it was nacho cheese. I wanted it to be nacho cheese. <laughs> I love it. That makes the most sense. You see what you want to see. Yeah. <laughs> this is when Vicky's performance falls off for me. Like, sweetie, this kill is the worst in the movie. Her scream or lack thereof like dub her if she can't scream dub her voice because that was not there for me the, the socks were not it for me Mama. oh i don't like, like that. the whole thing the, whoop, the, the socks I don't were her like downfall that. yeah the little they were her downfall the sock slip i'm like oh my god i'm dumb it's definitely the weakest kill it's it feels weird. Like, I don't I don't get it. I don't like the setup. I also don't like that she literally falls. She, like, opens the door and it's the media. Oh! Uh, ah! 
and then she, <laughs> and then she's down for the count. This is it's fine. We needed another body count, and we needed to progress the story. So I understand, but I don't know if it's Vicky's character that I don't like, or if it's the actress's choices I don't like. Oh, also, Dave is such a douche going in, like starting somebody else's motorcycle. <laughs> like, uh, oh, I know. I was like, what is going on here? I what think is he's this? cute. But why is this knight so special that he got this tattooed on his arm? Tattoo? I, I know. forgot to mention. Yeah. Why? Were they planning on to, like, lose their virginity to each other that night? Yeah, I don't know what it is that they... Why he tattooed that. <laughs> Not yeah, a clue. Like, just to, to, you know, like, remember this momentous night. Here's my tattoo. And she's like, oh my god, I'm so horny. Daddy, chill. Yeah. I'm like, what is this? I'm like, why are we doing this? Elsewhere, while driving, Lori hears the call on her police scanner and meets Officer Hawkins there. Hawkins makes his way into the home and discovers Dave pinned to the wall with a kitchen knife and Vicky displayed as a ghost. Both Lori and Hawkins miss Michael with every single gunshot. Lori manages to clip his shoulder, but somehow Michael managed to <laughs> Michael manages to walk briskly away. The now awake Dr. Sartain arrives to the scene and gives them some insight into Michael, allowing for Lori and Sartain to meet face to face. Sartain explains that Hawkins stopped Loomis from killing Michael 40 years ago. Do you know I pray every night that he could escape? Why would you do that? So that I can kill him. Just in every goddamn trailer, and I still <laughs> love hearing it. I it still is love hearing such it. It's a good line. It's such a good delivery. It's super good. I definitely love it. But I love the, like, how this section starts with just a crazy lady on with a gun on the street. This is <laughs> this is actually where we see the season of the witch masks. Yes, yes. But she's just over there, just swinging this gun like it ain't no thing. And the police just like let her do it. <laughs> this is the second time that we see those masks. Oh, they is it? Oh, I guess that once they're running before around. and now here. Yeah, they're yeah they're house to house. Like these, this they is won't be the last time. Treating. So, am I the only one that thought that Lori and Hawkins had like a relationship before this? Oh my god, yeah. Maybe, totally. Yeah, maybe that right. that's her one of her divorces. Maybe her first one. Twice yeah, cuz they're both kind of ragged and haggard. Like <laughs> earlier when we were even introduced <laughs> to Officer Hawkins, he's just like just like I'm not doing shit. I'm over here playing pinball. That girl's like, "You want a blue slushy or what do you want?" Oh, yeah. Like, like this is so odd. I was like, "This is the hard-hitting dialogue I came to this movie for." <laughs> what, what, what is he gonna get? The blue slushy? I don't know. Um, we get more Sartain in this, and he's just like coming off as like this like rabid fangirl, and Lori's like, "No, like I'm good." Like, yeah, she's like, "What's your name, Sardine?" It's a no for me. Like I, I don't have time for this. I like when she's like, "Ah, the new Loomis." Like, sure. <laughs> yeah. Oh, she yeah. clocked it so fast. Yeah, she did. She's she's cheeky that yeah. one. That Lori. Uh, meanwhile, Lori and Hawkins scoop up Karen and husband to stay in her bomb shelter for safety. While going to the location, Hawkins and Sartine speak of Lori and Michael's relationship and their connection. Allison is being walked home by Oscar after a devastating night at the party. He tries to make a move on Allison as they make a shortcut through the backyard of a house. Oscar is quickly denied, and hello, consent, and he tries to chop up the accident, the incident to alcohol and blaming it on everything else but himself. 
Allison breaks away and goes ahead through the yard, but unbeknownst to both Allison and Oscar, Michael was watching from the shadows all along like the creeper that he is. After a very well edited scene with a motion sensor light, Oscar gets his comeuppance with a dope kill with the fence spike through the face. Allison manages to escape Michael and makes it to safety where she is picked up by Hawkins and Dr. Sartain to be brought back to Lori's. This is my favorite kill. I, I don't know. Like, hi, this is mine. This is fantastic. <laughs> it's really good. It's another successful moment of this movie for sure. Oscar fully deserves oh, a nice little are you kidding stab me? to, the, to he, the throat. I'm like, not this kid shooting his shot like at this moment. Like, he's so sad. That's, he's so sad. <laughs> the secondhand embarrassment was so strong. Oh, oh my God. Scene. It's cringe. Michael was literally like, I'm not killing you just because. I'm killing you because you're so pathetic. <laughs> he's like, yeah. he's like, I have to put you out of your He's like, get way. out of my way, loser. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Move. I'm gay. It was, it's really bad. But like you said, the editing is super well done. This is when the uh, score really ramps up to somewhere we've never seen it go. Yeah. And it's just, and it still feels reminiscent of the original, but still giving us that elevated, like, content. Like, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh my God. I like for that this. spike through the mouth or like the uh, lower Ugh. jaw. Like, oof. Ooh. Creative. A Halloween Ooh, decoration. That's creative for he sure. He loves Halloween. Oh Yeah. It's just more nods. I really enjoy when we get Allison running through the streets, just like Lori was asking for help from all her neighbors, except that yes. we actually finally get some help <laughs> for our final girl. It's a it's a really fantastic play and cheat and tongue in cheek that this movie just loves to do. This movie just loves to reference itself. I know. I'm like those jerks from 1978 that yeah. were just like, I've been treated to death tonight. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I was if I were Allison, I saw that him like hanging there. I don't know if I would know that was real at first. I feel like I would think it was a prank. I'd be like, "You're so stupid." Yeah, whatever. (laughs) Quit playing around, you loser. Yeah, definitely. My, I think my favorite part about it, and this is where I, I finally kind of really like Allison as a final girl. Not to say that I didn't enjoy her before, but I feel like this is finally where she's starting to getting her title. But it's it to me, her acting choice is really nice, just because it looks like genuine fear of someone who has finally met the boogeyman that she's that she's been talked to her whole life like i wouldn't know what to do with that emotional reaction of this is the guy my grandma has consistently never shuts the hell up about my mom has repressed this guy forever and now here i'm facing him face to face so when the music kicks in it's excellent it is my favorite sequence oh yeah it's so good she goes there yeah she's she's very good in this um, you know, and I'm sure Karen would hate to say she told her so. So she, I beg to differ. She loves to tell her so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, told you so. Told you so. Told <laughs> Back at the Strode residence, Laurie, Karen, and Karen's husband Ray all arm themselves and make their way into the panic room. He's waited for this night. He's waited for me. I've waited for him. Come on, Michael. I wanted Shania Twain's like "Let's Go Girls" oh, to start da- playing. Da- 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 <laughs> And not Miss Judy Greer in her Christmas sweater. I feel like that was like a big thing that everybody talked about when this movie came out was her Christmas sweater. I think it all it feeds into her character. It's yeah, just so it's good. It's beautiful. It's like, I'm moving on from this day. I don't even think about Halloween. I'm already on to Christmas. But it's the fact that it's not just a Christmas sweater. It's like an elementary school teacher Christmas <laughs> yeah, sweater with is. like the bells and whistles. But yeah, like we said, I think it contributes to her character. 
obviously repressing Halloween and just moving <laughs> on from it. Um, but yeah, so I love this. I you know they're they're gearing up for action, um, and it's all, I'm almost like oh now you're concerned, Karen. After all this naysaying, <laughs> oh now she's concerned. just like a Karen. I know, just like a Karen. <laughs> That's such a good, yeah. That's a good observation. <laughs> Seriously, yeah. That's why they chose this name. It's like you're not gonna play victim until it affects you. Yeah. <laughs> Back with Allison, Hawkins has found Michael walking in the street. He quickly runs him over with his car. He and both Doctor Sartain both get out of the car to check to see if Michael's still alive. When they do, Dr. Sartain quickly reveals a knife in his pen and stabs Hawkins in the neck as he suddenly bleeds out. As Allison watches in terror, Dr. Sartain then puts on Michael's mask and puts his body in the back of the police car with her. He gives some weird predator and prey theory between Michael and Lori. Okay, I think this is the reason the audience score is low. Is that true? It's very true. I totally agree. <laughs> yeah. But I think that I, I don't mind it. It's so fast that I don't care. And honestly, I think it helps facilitate the idea that Michael is not superhuman. He's just some kind of, he does have some sort of evil strength that makes him a little harder to kill, but he's not unstoppable. And he definitely was not going to get out of those chains on his own. So... Right. Dr. Sartain. No, absolutely. And yeah, and Dr. Sartain, I mean, it is it definitely is not something I expected. Like this, like twist of him, like wanting to help Michael. Do I feel like Michael needs like a little Igor to like help him? Like, no, but um, <laughs> luckily it doesn't last that long, to be honest. So but I also think Sartain is fan service because he literally, between him and the podcasters, he literally is the representation of the fan base. Yeah, oh, like, sure. They're so ridiculous and so over the top. They want just to put Michael in the wild once again to see what he'll <laughs> do and how he's going to react this time. Like, this is the representation for the fan base. So why they don't like him, I don't know. Jealousy? Because <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Jealousy's a sin. Yeah, that's true. That's true. You're right. Like, yeah, also this like idea of like, fear of becoming prey keeps them both alive like that's sort of like Sartain's explanation as to why Lori and Michael are like exist and why they haven't died yet even though they're like she's not that old but I mean like that's what like, <laughs> that's what like keeps them alive I think that's sort of an interesting idea to introduce you, you mentioned it earlier with like we hope that like oh Michael's just evil that's kind of where I feel like this explanation kind of gives me it's like well, they're just predator and prey. I'm like, okay, cool. Yeah, that's fine. I agree. This is probably why the audience score is pretty low. It's just, it comes out of left field and then it immediately exits. I think if it like continued on anywhere, it might've had some substance to it. I, I don't mind it because it is quick. I just don't know if I needed another storyline. Right. Like this is, yeah. this is fine. It's not necessary. True. True. I, I just, I don't need an, like a twist in my Halloween series, if that makes any sense. And see, I almost didn't take it as a twist. I sort of just took it as, okay, this is how this character has been moving around. 
got it. Okay. All right. right? That's fair. I mean, that's a better way to look. That's <laughs> that, a better that perspective. That is fair. Yeah. As the doctor goes on some long-winded tangent about how Michael has never smoke, spoken before, Allison lies to try and free herself, stating Michael spoke to her. Michael comes to and silently puts the mask back on and breaks out of the car by stomping through the protective gate and pushes Sartain into the steering wheel. He drags Sartain out of the car and before Michael does anything, Sartain asks, Say something. To which Mikey replies by literally stomping his head into mush with one foot stomp. Allison manages to escape in the process. Allison and Michael finally both make their way to Lori's. Michael manages to get there first via police car. Ray goes out to see if they have found his daughter only to be killed by Michael via good old fashioned choking, followed by a neck snap. Lori and Karen barricade themselves inside while Michael tries to break in. Michael smashes his arms through the door and grabs a hold, a hold of Lori. All seems lost, but Lori manages to shoot a few of his fingers off and get away. I love the way that this third act builds and the tension that starts happening through all of these sequences. Um, Michael's breakout. I want to ask how you feel about Michael's breakout before I say anything. Well, yeah. Well, for sure, like, it's definitely, like, couldn't be, like, a shittier s- situation for Allison to be in. I mean, like, and it, it to me, it's sort of reminiscent of, like, almost, like, Scream 2. <laughs> you know, this, like... Yes. Or, like, I Know What You Did Last Summer. Like, just being... I Know What You Did That, last like, summer. trapped in the backseat of a cop car kind of thing. But this time, like, full-on with Michael next to her. Like, that's a really intense moment. I think that's one of the, like, mm-hmm. probably my favorite moments that they do is, like, literally put a passed out Michael Myers in in the backseat of a cop car with the person he's literally trying to kill. So I think it creates a lot of really good tension. So then when the breakout happens and he just smashes through, like, with his feet, um, I think it's great. I think this whole se- sequence is just intense. Brutal. Brutal. <laughs> absolutely what we came to see when we saw this movie. I don't understand everybody's fascination with wanting to hear Mikey speak. Oh yeah, one. that is no. Okay, yes, agreed, agreed. I'm like, who? Why? I don't. He's want never said him anything. Say, What's he gonna say, girl? I came to kill. <laughs> like, <laughs> right? And like yeah, the fact surprise, that, bitch. And the fact that it's like such a, it's like such a big deal that Allison uses it to manipulate Sartain into, you know, is getting her to escape you know like that's how big of a deal it is and it's like who cares just speak that's where i had the problem with it besides that i the death is so beautifully brutal like i wasn't expecting to see the full pumpkin smashing so that is i thought i thought it was a nod to rob zombies halloween 2 does that (laughs) happen in halloween 2 it literally happens in halloween 2 it's the guy from the strip club taking out the trash oh my god i blocked it out Ew. Oh yeah. That sentence was just so Rob Zombie movie. (laughs) (laughs) I know. (laughs) You know, we we finally get the beginning of the showdown between Lori and Michael, which is like great. I mean, we do lose we do lose Ray (laughs) in the process. Wonderful Ray. Boo, you stink! Sweet spot for Ray. I don't know why. I think he's a nice dad. And I, every time I see that that death scene, I'm like, finally. Oh, well, well, I, I mean, honestly, like breathe a sigh of relief. To be honest, it seems like they feel the same exact way, like Allison and Karen, because we're. I mean, <laughs> no one mentions him. Cares. Like, I think at one point, like Karen's like, "Where's Ray?" And then like that's literally it. So, I, the, you're right. The ramping is there, and it's fantastic. I just. 
What? Laurie Strode has been prepping herself for 40 years and this is the one chance she gets and she makes like the biggest mistake of like, I'm going to be right at the door so Michael <laughs> can come so Michael can come grab me. But I do love that she shoots his fingers off. It is a, the it is oh, sick. It is sick. It's sick. And how is she not deaf after that? Like, Ooh, oh my God. Thank you. Um, She's already deaf. Oh, that's true. Yeah, that's true. That's true. That's true. <laughs> Well, now he's blind in one eye and has seven fingers. I know. I mean, how much damage can he possibly do to this man? Yeah. Before he's dead? I hope that's consistent in the next movie. Like, you know, that is. Uh, oh, the finger. Yeah. All fingers are I'm back. I'm looking at those fingers. They better not be there. <laughs> you know, magnifying glass. Yeah. Karen and Lori hide in the panic room, and Michael finally makes his way inside. Underground, Lori shoots through the floorboards to get Michael. Dory makes her way back up and secures each room in her house with pull-down gates in every doorway. Michael and Lori finally face off in the upstairs bedroom when where they finally throw hands, but Michael ultimately throws her from the second-story balcony or window or whatever that thing is called. Allison finally makes her way to the Strode home after a very out-of-place scene in the mannequin graveyard. She walks in the front door, all nonchalant, practically screaming for her mother, which is what gets Michael's attention. Michael looks back over the balcony, disappointed as Lori's body is now gone. Ooh, got you so good. Okay, can we talk about the mannequin graveyard scene? That scene is very out of place. I literally wrote unnecessary. Stupid. I mean, I was like, wait, what is? And it's not just like her reaction, this? like, oh my god, the, they scared me. It's more so like the way that boom, boom, yeah. boom, boom, like the way they show um. the mannequins. I'm like, what? <laughs> it's the editing for me. It's the Twilight Zone all of a sudden. I'm like, okay. <laughs> I don't understand. I I want to like talk to somebody. Be like, what was? What were you doing in this scene? Like, what did you yeah. want? Us- were you high? What, yeah. Were you? What did you want us to? <laughs> make of this scene i'm confused yeah if we ever get the opportunity to interview anyone from the set yeah. of this halloween trilogy, <laughs> we're gonna be like hi what would that what the fuck was that about what happened <laughs> <laughs> i dig Lori's fortress of solitude and the fact that she thought of every single little detail which is why i get upset with the door thing i'm like if you thought whatever that's i'll move past it <laughs> this the showdown is great the scene's tension is excellent and i love the sound design in this one because this is like probably the only real part of the movie that we get some really excellent silent design mm. going on as she like hunts through the house so it really builds the tension to a great place especially when she gets thrown from the window and she lands just like michael did 40 years ago <laughs> oh my god and then she's not there when he looks uh, i was just about to say that she disappears just like him it's so good <laughs> This 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 kind of also goes back to what we were saying before that this movie was made by a bunch of stoners who play video games because this scene full on feels like a video game <laughs> to me. Am I the only one? Eight. We're almost like in her point of yeah, view. Yeah, it's like a first person shooter <laughs> game. I'm like, am I playing Goldeneye or am I watching Halloween? What's happening? <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Oh, and then the reference to the closet. And even when she finds yeah. Ray in the closet, it's very reminiscent of when she was discovering her friend's body yeah. in the first mm-hmm. movie. It <laughs> is, it is. Cross-eyed. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I forgot she finds Ray's body in there. Everybody forgot she found Ray. Yeah. <laughs> she said, who is Where's that? Ray? It's just like, anyway. Yeah. Did I leave that in there? 
This isn't the pantry. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Karen lets Allison into the panic room and they attempt to hide from Michael. They listen from below as he arms himself with a fire poker. He somehow discovers they're hiding underneath the kitchen island and starts to aggressively knock it over. He conquers that interior designer's worst nightmare and Karen begins to cry and scream for her mother's help. She pleads, I can't do it. Just then, Michael steps into frames and reveals himself. Gotcha. Karen shoots him in the neck and as Lori is revealed from the shadows and states, Happy Halloween, Michael. She goes in for the double tap, stabbing Michael in the back, literally and figuratively with his own weapon of choice. They throw some quick blows, but Lori gets the better of Michael and smacks him in the head with a cast iron skillet. It causes him to fall down the stairs into the panic room and the girls quickly run out. Michael manages to grab a hold of Karen's leg and tries to drag her down. Joining the Hollow Women Hall of Fame, Allison grabs a kitchen knife and stabs at Michael, releasing Karen from his grip. Karen pulls a lever and spikes protrude from the sides of the doorway, locking Michael inside. Lori then turns on the gas, pumping into the room. Karen explains to Allison, It's not a cage. It's a trap. And this is where Judy Queer becomes the MVP of this goddamn movie. Yes! yes. What a reading. That was beautiful. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> More video game shit. Like these spikes. I'm like, mama. Yeah. I know. <laughs> but I get it. I get it. It's I'm like, a movie. I'm like, it's what did Lori do to like afford this compound? Like, was she like a truck driver who never spent her money like <laughs> she kept scamming podcasters out of their money I, mean, I guess that must be it because i'm like damn this is maybe she sold her story a bunch of times I mean, like maybe. I, yeah. I don't know where she's getting this money like what did she do for a living is she retired and was working or yo weathers wrote the babysitter murders book oh my god and it just took off exa- oh my god she also barely has any furniture so that's where it exactly (laughs) all of her expenses went towards uh spikes and metal doors (laughs) that makes sense i do love this moment though when they when they first get into the uh to the little basement um this is the first time we hear uh karen and Lori tell each other that they love each other i was like oh that's so sweet throughout all their troubles and their traumas um you know in this moment she like felt compelled to tell her mother that she loves her and then she told her she loves her back and i was like there we go that's it that's what all this like generational like you know trauma thing and that we're doing with all this family it's all about family and uh at the end of the day they do love each other and so i thought that was a really sweet moment in the midst of all this chaos that's going on (laughs) (laughs) i fully agree like them prepping for battle it's I adore this scene because hello Judy Greer she's just fantastic and I love her delivery on this I love the fake out because I legitimately was gonna throw Karen out the window when I thought she wouldn't be able to do it so this is fantastic she finally comes through and the the culmination of like the family trauma and the generational trauma that we talked about I think is beautifully put at the end of this because it takes all three women to combat and go over and defeat this trauma in this movie so the seeing all of it play together and them working with each other is just like the cherry on top to this like really fantastic cast of like hollow women absolutely it's empowering it's awesome it's like exhilarating and exciting to see these women come together and you know use their skills and use their will to like overcome this monster yeah it's really wonderful to watch like any good final girl absolutely yeah 
it is kind of a nice nod to like you're saying the hallow women like there's like most of his victims have been women and most of the iconic characters from this entire franchise have been women and just it's sort of like an a whole like accumulation of like all the like strength that all the past final girls had within this franchise oh my god that's so Um, beautiful all the women came together they should have all come back as ghosts and like fucked them up so we get a beautiful shot of michael standing completely still being engulfed by flames as the final girls watch from above the women make their way to the road and hitch a ride from a passerby we end on three generations of family trauma sitting in the back of a pickup truck and we end on a bloody kitchen knife still in Allison's hand, and we cut to our title card. Woo! Beautiful, beautiful. They had to end it, I guess, in case it wasn't successful. Yeah. They were like, okay, in case Halloween Kills never came about, they're like, yeah. this is a nice ending. Yeah, this is, like, this this is, is good. good. We don't even explain too much. <laughs> this is, it's it's wild to me that we're finally here. That we're finally going to get this movie. And I'm super stoked to appear on your guys' next week to talk about yes. it. Mm. This is a dub- mm. this is the mm. first part of a double feature. Oh my god. We've been calling it a, a two-week special event. I'm trying to make it feel like <gasps> Disney Channel. That's oh so sweet god. life. Oh my god, yes. Of- Crossover. That's, Crossover. <laughs> that's, that's a sweet life of Hannah Montana. All so we are at the end of our movie and we need to know your final scores. What are you going to give this week's flick? Are you going to rent the movie, which is, means you like it? Are you going to return it, which means you didn't like it? Or are you going to buy this movie, meaning you loved it? I'm buying it. I'm buying it. I already it's, bought it. I it, Yeah, like <laughs> it's already in the bag in the car next to my, my uh, pizza that I put in the oven myself. Yeah, yeah. I think that just like for me, like the like the ranking that I gave this, where I like put it so high up. Like even though like I do have a special place in my heart for the Thorn for the Thorn part universe, I have, this is my favorite sequel for Halloween. So yes, love it. Yay! I think I'm gonna have to agree. I'm gonna have to buy it as well. I think this, even though it's 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 separated into its own timeline now. I think this is a solid, solid, if not the best sequel in the Halloween franchise. So I agree. I totally buy it. I love it. What is your final rating? Are you kidding me? Have you have you not seen me in this whole episode? I'm I'm absolutely going to buy this one. Are you kidding me? I love the subject matter that they talk about. I love the way that they talk about it. I love this new this new Lori. She's jaded. She's old and she's pissed off. I'm here for it. Aren't we all? It's it's a it's a horror movie with something something to say, and you know it, it, there mm-hmm. are, it's few and far between. I mean that's not true. I mean there's a lot of analysis of horror movies and stuff like that, but I don't know. This one had I felt like really had a voice and wanted to you know take our favorite horror franchise and make it into something that maybe even people who aren't fans of it can relate to or can see something in. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's really amazing and something that makes this movie stand out. So I love it. Yeah. Or, you know, even the connection that of like the current times that this was taking place in of like these women in this movie taking down a movie monster and just given what was going on and still is going on to this day of like taking mm-hmm. down those Hollywood giants of like, Looking at you, you know, the Weinsteins. That have caused all this trauma for these women in these movies, almost. Like, yeah. It's nice and strong in that way, too. Yeah, absolutely. That's a big fuck you to Harvey Weinstein. 
whatever his name is for our next week for our last week in our halloween horrors month is the original timeline bender we will be talking all things 90s attire especially josh hartnett's hair Ugh. and the ridiculously long named halloween h2o 20 years later from 1998 super stoked Woo! yes uh, can't wait i'll to be listen. sure to tune in <laughs> <laughs> Here's re Josh Hartnett's hair to Phil. I can't believe he did it uh, for that and the faculty. It's so bad. How dare like, he? Just does a comb not exist? It's like that. Li- it's like the the sticking up alfalfa. It's the, it's, it's the back. It's the deck butt <laughs> yes. in the background in the back for me. You know and they would fix it, and then he would ruin it again. I, it's horrible. Literally, it's horrible. Bet- between that hair and and Michelle Williams' eyebrows, like you guys. Oh my you guys god! Have to Don't talk get me about. started. To talk about. So we're looking forward to it. And Michael Myers' eyebrows. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> they use the same eyebrow pencil. You can follow the queens on Instagram at the Carpenter Queens. Our Twitter is at Carpenter Queens. If you like what you hear, please comment, like, subscribe, wherever you are listening to us. My personal account is Nicholas Alexander Photography. My personal account is at STFU Ray. For the talking queers, would you like to plug anything? Oh my gosh. Uh, oh, I- yeah. Thank you so much for having us. Uh, well, you can find us on our social media at Fear the Talking Queers. Um, you can listen to us wherever you listen to your podcasts. Uh, we. We release when do we release episodes? Fridays, Fridays, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, what? I don't know days anymore. Uh, yeah, tune in every Friday. We have a new episode for you. Yeah, come check us out. Um, you can uh, find our personal accounts at onlyfanscom slash fear the talkers. <laughs> <laughs> Um, no. And for only 99 cents a month. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, Content you won't see on Twitter. Yes, you'll get all the Halloween you can ever need. Happy so. <laughs> <laughs> Halloween. Oh my gosh. No, but you can visit our website at fearthetalkingqueers.com. And even if you're not fans of us, you have to join us because this is only part one. Part two will be on our podcast when we do Halloween Kills, which comes out October 29th with the Carpenter Queen. Yes, we can't wait. Yay! Thank you. It'll be our first contemporary film. Ooh, yeah. Oh my God. Yeah, yeah, it's tough. (laughs) So... I'm going to be like, sorry guys, cancel. My Peacock account didn't work. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so, so freaking much for joining us today. Thank you for coming to the store, checking out a VHS this week. We've thoroughly enjoyed it. Thank you. Oh, yeah. Your new uh, membership cards are just coming out of the laminator. They're a little hot, so be careful. Ooh, oh, yeah. That's how I'm, I like them. I'm just surprised you guys work here still. Didn't they sar- fire your sorry asses? <laughs> Twice. <laughs> yeah. Whatever. I'm going to Blockbuster. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Evan, for listening and enjoying this week's episode. Stay safe and stay queer out there, everyone. Say bye for the talking queers. Bye for the talking bye. queers. Bye. <laughs> bye. 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 <laughs>